reaching Israel and the world and the world. Welcome in the name of the Lord. Beloved ones, we're looking at a topic today in the Word of God that is really practical and applicable. We're talking about trusting God when we're going through difficult times. Yes. I know that there's people out there right now that are going through really tough times and saying, you know, where is God? What's going on? Everything seems like chaos, everything seems like it's going to lead to destruction. You know, there's sometimes a panic that runs through us. And I know that the God is bigger than it all. And He wants to keep training us up in that. I remember in, in our lives, we had a, a time where our daughter uh, was in the hospital. It was life or death. They wanted to give her a blood transfusion. I do believe in the, the God using the medical uh, personnel, the medical techniques and technology. And uh, I sought Him on it. And I felt like His Holy Spirit said, no, I do not want your daughter right now to have this blood transfusion. And as I released it, totally trusting God, the nurses thought I was crazy. Inside, I'm a nurse and I, I thought I was crazy, but God prevailed. He kept her life and God just wants us to learn that He's sovereign. Just listen for His voice, follow and trust Him, the I Am over all. Shalom uvracha, beloved ones, peace and blessings. We're continuing today in season two of a series that I'm calling Hannah's Song, or we say in Ivrit Hebrew, Hannah's Song. Now, the episode that we're studying in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number two, takes place after the Lord had opened Hannah's womb, and as a result of the Lord opening her womb and her giving birth to the prophet Samuel, she brings Samuel to the house of the Lord, presents him to the priest there, Eli, and after dedicating him unto the Lord at the temple, she bursts forth into this prayer or this song. Now, I've already uh, spoke several messages on this. So I don't want to go back and review everything. I encourage you to go back and watch both season one and the previous two episodes in season two. I'm going to pick up right now in chapter number two, where I left off last week, and I'm going now to verse number eight. Hear the word of God. Now, let's remember, Hannah is speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament tells us in referring to the writers of the Hebrew Bible that no one spoke by his own interpretation, but rather when they wrote the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, they were writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That no prophecy was given by one's own interpretation, but those that wrote were writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So hear the word of God. I want you to take this to heart. I'm going to continue to drive home the point, hopefully with some new colors and in some deeper dimensions than I have over the last several weeks on this subject. But I need this word to go deeper and deeper in our souls for us to be able to fully enter into it, embrace in it, and live in its reality. 
So hear what she says, and she's praising the Lord after experiencing the miracle of God supernaturally opening up her womb to bring forth a child. She said, he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. Now, what we're actually seeing here is a window into understanding the dynamics of the sovereignty of God operating in the earth. I remember when I first became a believer, a Jewish boy living in Cleveland, Ohio. I was living in Pepper Pike on Bremerton Road, and I knew nothing about Jesus, beloved one. Jesus was as far away to me than the man on the moon. In fact, I heard about a man on the moon, that phrase, more than I heard about Jesus. He was just, you know, so foreign to me as a Jew. All my friends growing up were Jewish. I had one friend that wasn't Jewish, but he was far from being a Christian. So I was totally unexposed to Christian faith, Christian doctrine, to the person of Jesus. I never thought about him. He never entered my mind. But as many of you know my story, in 1978, Jesus supernaturally appeared to me in my bedroom. I wasn't searching for him. I wasn't seeking him. I never read the New Testament. No one had ever witnessed to me. God chose me, and because of that, he, he, he came and appeared to me. And after he appeared to me, I was so excited because I was lost in life. I was 20 years old. I was seeking for meaning. I was seeking for purpose. I, I didn't know my way in life. And when Jesus appeared to me that night, somehow I knew that I had found the answer. I didn't know what the answer was fully. I just knew God was alive, and he showed me that somehow Jesus was the way. All the dots needed to be filled in, but I knew that this somehow was the way. So I started telling everybody about it. And eventually somebody said to me, you, you need to go get a New Testament. So I went out, bought a New Testament, started devouring the Word of God, started telling everybody about it, even though all my close, close friends were Jewish, but, but the one I mentioned that was this tough Italian guy, far from being a Christian, I knew a lot of people. So my close friends were all Jews, and I was insulated in that world. But still, the school that I went to had many, many non-Jews as well. So when I started telling everybody about it, someone eventually said to me, you need to go get a New Testament. So I went out and bought a New Testament. I started devouring it. I started talking about this Jesus more. Then eventually somebody said to me, you need to go to church. Let me take you to church. So a Gentile person that I knew that I was not close friends with, but, you know, friendly with, they, they said, I'm a, it was actually a, a, a friend of my brother's. And this, this woman said to me, you know what? I'm going to take you to my church. She had just become a, a radical believer herself. So she came over my house one day, she picked me up, and she drove me to this, 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 this place. I won't even say what the name of it is because I don't want to cast any negative light. But it was this, this gathering. It was really powerful at the time. There was a, like a Jesus movement going on during the season. I mean, it, it, the Jesus movement lasted from the late 1960s to the early 1970s, but still some of it was going on in the mid and late 1970s. Many Jewish people were coming to faith. I found out later during this time where the Lord was supernaturally appearing to them. So she brings me to this, to this gospel house, and, and, and a lot of young people were there, and the evangelist started preaching. 
But the way he was preaching, it didn't seem right to me because it made it out like God was over here. He was one power and the devil was over here. And it was almost like they were equal with each other. And we better choose God. And, and, and somehow we, we had this faint idea. It seemed like that God was going to win in the end. But the way God was being portrayed was far from being a sovereign God. It was almost as if we lived in this dualistic universe with both powers, the powers of good and evil being equal to each other. And it just didn't seem right to me. I said, that's not God. I said to myself, I might not know a lot about God, but somehow deep inside, this is wrong because God is God. He's not fighting with anybody to maintain his power. He's God. He's the Lord. He's the creator. He's, he's the one. And there is no other. And then I started going to some other churches and it seemed like I was hearing a similar type of color coming through so many of the messages that I was hearing in many different places, in several different churches. And it was, again, the same concept that was kind of portraying God in the sky and somehow he was up there fighting for his right you know, to stay God and, and we here on earth, we got to pray. And, and, and if we pray hard enough and, you know, if we worry enough that somehow God's going to break through and win. And I said to myself, this is just ridiculous. And, and it really repulsed my spirit. And so I started really digging into the word of God about this. And I, and I came to, to see in the word of God that this theology that was being communicated in so many subtle ways in New Testament churches was not biblical. That when we understand the Hebraic foundation of our faith, we understand that God is the Lord of the world. And this is what Hannah is saying here. And so we come now to verse number eight. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. He set the world on them. The New Testament tells us that the entire world right now, beloved ones, is being upheld by the Spirit of God. The Bible says in the book of Romans, all things are from him, through him, and to him. Everything that is alive right now is existing only because the glory of God is allowing it to exist and has willed it to continue to exist. And everything that is happening right now ultimately has a purpose. In today's Hebrew moments, I want to focus on God's covenant name, which we believe is pronounced a breathy Yahweh. In the book of Exodus chapter 6, the Lord spoke to Moses and he said this. He said, Moses, your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, knew me as El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord said, knew me as God Almighty, El Shaddai. And then the Lord continued, but by my name, and then he revealed his name, Yahweh, they did not know me. The Lord also revealed to Moses that this name, composed of the four Hebrew letters, yud heh vav heh 
This name Yahweh, the Lord said, is his covenant name forever. In the book of Exodus chapter 20, the Lord said to Moses, I am Yahweh, your El, your God. And what I love about this is that God is not just a being out there in the sky that's impersonal. No, he's a person and he has a name. Now, of course, we need to be very careful as to how we speak God's name so that we don't commit the sin of using his name in vain. But the truth is, it's used 7,000 times in the Hebrew Bible. We've been called to be salt and light to the world, but Rabbi cannot share the truths from God's Word without help from you. Would you pray and consider donating or becoming a monthly partner with Rabbi as he ministers principles from God's Word through television, the internet, and on-the-ground outreaches, equipping the body of Christ, building the church, and evangelizing the world? Call 800-777-7835 or visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Join those who have said yes to the calling. Help Rabbi build God's kingdom through the global outreaches of Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Call today or visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com. I know that you and I, when we look around right now, it's hard for us to make sense of a lot that happens. And believe me, when I say this, I want to be sensitive in saying this because there's a lot that we don't understand. There's a lot of heartache and pain and suffering going on right now. And we wonder, we scratch our heads, why? Why is the Lord allowing this to happen? If we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we're, we're thinking, God, why would you allow this to happen? This doesn't seem right. What's going on? But the Hebrew Bible tells us that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is God in heaven above, Deuteronomy 4.39, and on the earth below. Jesus believed it. As I have mentioned in previous episodes, he said not a sparrow falls to the ground apart from the Father when he stood before Pilate. And Pilate said, don't you know I've got the power to crucify you? Yeshua's response, no one, would, you would have no power over me, said to Pilate. You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. Jesus understood that all that was going on was somehow rooted in the pillar, just like Hannah said here, the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. Jesus understood everything that was going on in his life ultimately had a purpose. Even if it was evil, it still had a purpose. For example, what happened immediately after Yeshua came out of the Jordan River after being baptized by John the Immerser, John the Baptist? The Bible says, the Spirit of God led Yeshua into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. Now, was it just the devil attacking Jesus as if there was no purpose in it? No. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord led Yeshua into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. So I've been drilling down here, beloved ones, that we need to come out of the shallow New Testament only understanding of who God is to get a fuller understanding of who God is by seeing how the sovereignty of God is taught in the Hebrew Bible. You see, Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter number 13, he said, every scribe, and a scribe was someone that made copies of the Torah. All they did was they made copies of the, of the Tanakh and the Torah. They wrote out the letters of each book word for word so they knew the word of God in the Old Testament. Yeshua said, every scribe that becomes a disciple of mine 
will be like the owner of a mansion and is able to bring forth out of this huge mansion, this huge house, Jesus said, treasures old and new. In other words, Yeshua is saying someone that has been schooled in the Hebrew scriptures that becomes a follower of mine will be able to bring forth treasures old and new. And that's what we're doing now. We're mining out of the Hebrew Bible those treasures that Yeshua was speaking of that help you and I to get the mind of Hashem, the mind of God, particularly now in understanding His sovereignty on the earth. So we need, as I've been teaching, to ask the Lord in every situation that we're in, Lord, how should I respond to this? What are you trying to teach me in this? Lord, you allowed this to happen. I can't forsake faith in you. I can't say that this is just the devil, because as it was in the life of Job, it was the Lord that allowed the devil to attack. I have to ask you, God, what's your purpose in this? Help me to overcome this for your glory. Help me to find significance in whatever I'm going through right now, knowing that you cause all things to work together for good. And help me to understand, Father, that you're sovereign, not only in heaven above, but on the earth below. And even when I don't understand your ways, Father God, I'm going to trust your heart. There are many things that we don't understand. We don't know why this happened and why that happened and why the Lord allowed this to happen. But when we don't understand his ways, let us, beloved, Trust his faithfulness. Let's stay committed to trusting his heart. God is good. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. He's sovereign in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Let's continue to trust him, even though we don't understand what is going on in the temporal. You see, the problem with us, hear what I'm saying, church. The problem with us, the problem with us is that we understand everything from the temporal realm. We're so rooted to the earth. Our minds are so programmed to the now that we don't have a mindset of the eternal. So we can only interpret things by what's going on in this very moment. And we're making decisions about what's going on just based upon what's going on in the present moment. But there's much more that's going on than what's going on in the present moment because God has an eternal plan. This is why the Apostle Paul said, the temporary trials that you and I are going through right now are not worthy to be compared with the eternal glory that these trials are uh, rotting in our soul, that are, they're forming in our soul. That as we go through these temporal trials, Paul said, and hang on to the Lord and love him and are faithful to him and are obedient to him through these temporary, temporary earthly trials, the outcome of these trials is going to be that our soul is going to be expanded and enriched and filled with the eternal weight of God's glory. I said, beloved ones, the problem with us is that we're so earthly, we're so temporal-minded, and we're so proud to think we can make judgments about what's going on that we evaluate everything only in virtue or in view of what's going on right now rather than understanding His ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. For even as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are His ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. 
So let's trust him and start, stop, uh, stop having pride in thinking that we know best and that we can make judgments. God has an eternal purpose in mind and he's using everything for his glory. And so Hannah is praising him. He's the one, the Lord is holy and there's no one like the Lord. Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge and with him actions are weighed. Verse four, the bows of the mighty are shattered, the feeble gird on strength. And then she goes on to say in verse six, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low, he exalts. She's talking about his sovereignty. And she's saying, so stop boasting. You don't know what's going on. Let's trust God. He alone is God. And we just got done reading in verse eight. The pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he set the world on them. And so, Father God, we are asking today that you'll forgive us for our arrogance. We think about Adam and Eve when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and how the devil said to them that when they ate from the tree, that they would have the knowledge of good and evil, that they'd be able to judge what's good and what's bad, that they'd be able to see what's really happening rather than depending on you. And Father, truly, the fruit of that sin in the garden all those years ago is still uh, in our lives today, that we are the ones that think we can decide what's good and what's bad, and even judge you, God, when we're so boastful and vain for thinking, Lord, that we have the right to do such a thing. And so we think about Hannah's words there when she said, boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge. So Father, we want to say that we repent before you right now. We bow our knee before you now, Father God. Forgive us, Lord, for having a temporal view of life, for thinking that we have the right and the judgment to be able to discern good from evil. So, Father, we ask you today to forgive us and to recognize you high and lifted up, to recognize who you are in your sovereignty. We ask you to give us a worldview, Father, that's consistent with your worldview and to understand, Lord, that you're working all things after the counsel of your own will. And I pray, Father, the fruit of today's message would be that we would be lifted up to see you in your glory, to see you in your loftiness, to understand that there is one God and there is no other, that you reign, Father, in the heaven above and the earth below, and that, Father God, in your loving kindness, as we give ourselves to you, you are faithful to reign in and over our lives. Father, Daddy, thank you that you love us. Thank you that as we give our lives to you, even as Hannah dedicated her child's life to you in the temple, that as we dedicate our lives to you, Father God, that you're faithful to us, to lift us up, Father God, even as Hannah said, to exalt the needy and to put them in the place of nobles. Father, we wanna thank you for the good purposes you have in our life, Beloved one, I speak courage over you today. Courage that comes from knowing that God is sovereign, that he loves you, and he's reigning over your life. There's a portion in God's word that I've really been putting myself under, asking the Lord to shepherd me into perfect obedience. It's the story of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus in Matthew 19. It's also repeated in Mark and Luke. And the rich young ruler says to Jesus, good teacher, 
Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God's good. And then the rich young ruler said to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Yeshua said, keep all the commandments. The rich young ruler said, I've done all the commandments from my youth. He was a moral man. Then Yeshua said to him, now go and sell everything you have and you will inherit the kingdom of God. And the Bible says the rich young ruler went away sad because he wasn't able to surrender his possessions to the Lord. And the disciples were really like, wow, who can inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Beloved, we don't have to earn our salvation, but Jesus is calling for us to surrender. Will you surrender your finances to him? Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Or to give by credit card, visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 1-800-777-7835 or text the keyword rabbi to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have honored God with our finances while living, but have we considered how we can honor the Lord with our finances when we pass on? For more information, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, the Lord gave instructions to Moses and Aaron to speak this blessing over his people. And the Lord said, when you speak these words over my people, I will place my name on them and bless them. Receive the impartation of the Lord's blessings. Yahweh, Vayishmarecha. Ya'er Yahweh Panavelecha Vihunecha Isa Yahweh Panavelecha Ve'asem Lecha the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up by his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. 
Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Even when we are faithless, God is faithful. Next time on Discovering the Jewish Jesus, learn what it means to overcome as you trust God to be in control of your life.